Hi, Risto here at George Mason University. This episode is the fifth out of a series of 12. In episode 254, I provided an overview of the spectrum. I suggest if you haven't listened to any of these, go back to that at least to understand what the spectrum's all about. In the previous episodes, I've explained the command style, the practice style, and the reciprocal style. You can find these episodes below this one. And as you'll see with this, they kind of build on each other in a certain way. So you could go in order, but also these are meant to be uh, consumed individually as well. So if you're here, welcome. Um, today, I'm gonna talk about style D as in David, uh, the self-check style. In this style, the students develop independent practice and assess their own performance on the task prepared by the teacher. So this style is marked by individual practice and self-assessment. The teacher still prepares the criteria for the assessment and walks around the class asking questions to encourage conversations about the student's self-assessments. This style is not recommended for students who are not familiar with or are still inexperienced with the content. If learners do not have the basic competence to perform the task assigned by the teacher, is not a good idea to give them the responsibility of self-assessing. For example, I would not use the self-check style with a first lesson on how to overhand throw an American football. It's a hard skill. You have to throw it in a different way for it to go into a spiral than you would a, a regular ball. And without instruction and practice, the students won't be able to figure out what they are doing incorrectly in order to improve the skill. In the self-check style, the teacher is still making all subject matter, criteria, and logistic decisions. Teachers are also responsible for encouraging conversations through questions and providing closing reflections. It's important that this role does not take a judgmental approach and that teachers are mostly encouraging the learner's reflection. On the other hand, the learners will make decisions regarding their practice and work independently checking their own performance guided by the teacher's criteria. Let me ask you to think of a quick example of this. We've all probably done this in an informal manner at some point. It's this scenario where you're endlessly trying to perfect a set shot. Let's say it's a penalty kick in soccer, a basketball free throw, a pirouette in ballet. You get instant feedback. The, gall, the ball goes where you intended it to, or it doesn't. It hits the backboard, it hits the rim, or it goes in nothing but net. Okay, so all of this... Um, so you could also have balance, right? Your skill is either off or it isn't, right? All of this then makes you give more or less force, effort, extension, uh, power, whatever you want, right? The self-check style is just placing this in the PE classroom formally as an educational tool, right? The subject matter objectives are focused on the students developing awareness of their physical performance by practicing individually and self-assessing. At this point, students should be able to correct errors in their own performance and increase their time on task, getting closer to a more automatic performance since they are more experienced in the task being practiced. 
the behavioral objectives are focused on the students being less dependent on the teacher or their peers and being able to rely on themselves for feedback and acquisition of content. They're also able to cope with their limitations, gain self-awareness about their proficiency, develop independence, personal motivation, and learn social manners. So you can see many similarities to the reciprocal style as we discussed earlier, with the main difference being that instead of having peer teaching, the learners practice by themselves. The self-check style is actually an evolution of the reciprocal style that we've talked about in previous podcasts, meaning that the students are going to practice a task defined by the teacher on their own. The difference here is that instead of having the feedback provided by a peer, this task is shifted to each learner themselves. There's a ton of skills that intrinsically provide feedback to the learners depending on their performance. For example, juggling a ball. If students are successful, they will be able to continue juggling. If not, the balls are going to fall and they're not going to be able to continue with the task. So you give in instant feedback that you are doing something incorrectly. Then you go back and continue working on that skill. In target activities like darts, for example, um, the students can use the self assessment depending on if they are able to send the dart to the desired target or not. Is it in the 20? Is it in the bullseye or not? Even in simple activities that have clear results like stretching, did you reach your toes or not? Students are able to sense if they were able to achieve the criteria of the teacher or not. Now, at this point, we can really see how each style evolves from the previous one. In the command style, the students follow exactly what the teacher demonstrates. When we move to the practice style, the students get a chance to practice the task in their own time and space, but still with a lot of support from the teacher. Then, in the reciprocal style, in which students already have some experience of the task, they get to teach each other which provides them with a more autonomous practice and encourages them to think about the task more cognitively. And then finally, in the self-check style, the learners who are already somewhat successful in the task have a better understanding of the criteria for assessment. They can practice and improve independently. Let's think about another example of how this could work in physical education. Imagine a jump rope unit. Students have already been jumping rope for a few classes and are starting to learn new tricks. So they're getting pretty comfortable with this activity. Before class, you, the teacher, are going to de develop a criteria card to guide the student's self-assessment. Again, these cards will have the elements of different jump roping tricks and images that illustrate how to perform the task. Now, let's say you integrate technology. These skills can be viewed through videos and links can be distributed via QR codes if you have that capability in your classroom. As soon as the class starts, the teacher presents the task by explaining the criteria card, reviewing the critical elements that the learners have been practicing. The teacher also explains the expectations of the lesson. And this is when the teacher is gonna explain uh, that the students will not only practice independently, but they're also going to assess themselves based on the established criteria. 
with the aim of improving and having more practice time. In the next step, let's say the teacher has already preset the ropes in specific places where the students should go to start practicing. The teacher is going to ask the students if they understand the expectations of what they're doing and gives them the signal to start their practice. The learners are then going to follow directions of the teacher related to their position in the gym. Then they're going to practice the task while also checking the criteria card or using those videos from the QR codes to make sure that they're improving their performance guided by the model. Um, when they're self-assessing, learners are responsible for identifying their performance proficiently to decide if they should either move to the next jump style or if they should continue repeating the same movement to improve. Now, while learners are still practicing, the teacher is going to observe their performance, checking if they're using the criteria card correctly, communicating with the students regarding their accuracy, self-check process, and providing feedback. The goal here is to facilitate learning and reduce frustration. To do this, teachers can ask questions that lead the students to identify where they need improvement, why they think they are struggling, how they think they can improve. So teachers should not rush into providing direct feedback saying, hey, you're not crossing your arms or you're not touching your elbows. Um, so they're not giving direct feedback on how learners should practice, but rather you should be using those guiding questions. Uh, where do you think you need improvement? Why do you think you're struggling? How do you think you can improve? Um, so only if the learner cannot identify discrepancies or if the ass assessment is incorrect, should the teachers intervene and help the students succeed. Now, the idea is not that the teacher cannot provide feedback and instruction. If the student is not able to find the solution to the challenge, then of course the teacher should jump in and change back to the practice style of teaching, offering clarification and feedback to support the learners. So the teacher looks more toward developing dialogue with the student by listening to their responses and facilitating the learning. At the end of class, the teacher is going to call the students back in for a closing reflection and talk with the learners about the class in their self-checking role. Now, remember, the self-check style asks for more autonomous practice. It starts to be more student-centered than teacher-led, so teachers and students might make, um, or they might take some time to get comfortable with these new responsibilities. So the suggestion is. Take your time to adjust and make sure you are explicit about expectations. It's also really important to communicate with your students about their process of decision-making. Some learners may jump right into it, find it easy and fun, while others are really getting frustrated and want the teacher to intervene more. So teachers and students should be working together to learn and be more successful in this transfer of decision-making. Um, again, great resource. The book chapter offers some really good examples how to develop criteria sheets and provides instructions to improve the success of learners and self-assessments. So hopefully you can go in there for more information. That's all I have for you on this one. I'm going to be uh, back soon with episodes explaining the next teaching style. So stay tuned. Thanks always to Abba Rodriguez for her help in producing these podcasts and especially this special series. 
on the uh, Boston's teaching styles. And of course, thank you to the Spectrum Institute for the free materials they provide for everybody and um, to us to be able to produce these podcasts. Thanks.